0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 14 of the Airways Podcast. I am Vinay Bhaskara, back after a couple of episodes off from the podcast, and it is great to be back in all of your podcast apps. Today, we've got a really special episode. Um, Our guest for this episode is Chris Sloan, uh, who I'm sure many of you have heard the name. But Chris has been a mainstay of the aviation and avgeek community for the last two, maybe even three decades. And we're really excited to talk to Chris today about his latest project, or I guess the relaunch of his um, latest project, the Archive Online uh, Web History and Aviation History Museum. Now, Chris's day job has been in television for the last 30 plus years including 18 years as the owner and president of 2C Media, who produced several successful cable TV series and specials, including Airport 24-7 Miami. When he's not producing TV shows and commercials, Chris writes for Aviation Week, Air Transport World, and Liam News, along with Running the Archive, an online hub and virtual museum for aviation history. And on a more personal note, Chris was someone who was very instrumental in my career um, as a aviation journalist writer whatever you want to call it analyst um which I promptly threw away uh by leaving the industry for um for my my own day job but on that note Chris welcome
1: to the podcast we're super glad to have you have you here with us thank you I'm super glad it feels like uh like a high school reunion you know (laughs) and then there's a new kid I never met who actually you know who produces the whole thing so it's uh Five Airways OG, so it's 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 great to be with you guys again, and thank nice to be on. Uh, I
0: must also add that you've Chris has done some amazing humanitarian work too, uh, with rescue operations like the Puerto Rican airlift, amongst other uh, incredible voluntary stuff. And I'll also uh, add to Vinay's comment. I've on on and have also been very very lucky to have Chris as a friend and also someone that has helped me a lot in my career. Unlike Vinay, I chose to go into aviation and work for the airlines uh, for a couple of years. And I also was a writer and a podcast producer during some of those time periods. And so one of the reasons why Chris mentions Full Circle here is that uh, we started this podcast in June 2016. And at that time, I was living in Dallas. Chris was in town for Dallas. Vinay came into town and we all met up and we recorded our very first episode, which you can find in an omni hotel room and uh, on our phones so we've come a long way since then and Chris has been on the podcast a couple times since that period and it's good to have him back.
1: Yeah it's really great I mean you know we have a lot of history together and uh, you know I always found you both to be just like humblingly brilliant And and yeah, you know, and I, the funny story about Benet, is, which I, we still talk about to this day, is Bene, I believe was the second writer after Jack Hardy, and this was probably back in 2013. There was this, he was the second writer for Archive, uh, which became Airways Online. It was the first version of it, and he comes, uh, he says, "Hey, I'm going to be." I've never had never met him. We talked a little bit, but most, and he's like, "I'm coming to Miami, you know, so I'd love to, you know, drop by and meet you." And I'm like really cool. I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll get a drink. We'll get a drink or something. And I'm thinking, you know, he's like, yeah, it'll be great to see you. So, you know, and then pulls up and then the answers the door. And I see this, like, I think like 16 or 18 year old kid at my door. And I'm like, and then the car, there's a car outside idling in front of the house. And I (laughs) assume that Vinay is Vinay's son. And I'm like, well, you can tell your dad Vinay to come in. Let's have a drink. I'm so excited to meet him. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm Vinay. That's when I started really understanding what it's like to be, as a kid, say, old AF, and it's like, when brilliant, Yeah. <laughs> you all three run surfos around the old guy. I was like, that's the first time I was like, I think I'm going to need uh, adult diapers pretty soon.
0: <laughs> I think you're still a couple decades away from that, hopefully. For sure.
2: All right. I did, wa- did want to ask you, uh, just talking about, you know, those days, uh, how it all began. And, you know, I've been with Airways, what, six, seven years. The last three as a, a digital editor running the the, the online arm. Um, but this started, uh, was it 2014, 2016? I mean, how did Air- Archive start 20 years ago and how the link with Airways uh, began and, and came about?
1: Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, um, I, you know, probably aged and killed a few brain cells since then. But I mean, the long and short of it is, um, you know, I was like the classic young av geek before that term was invented. Um, we were just kind of nerds. And, um, and so it's like, since I was like five or six years old, you know, been collecting and became obsessed with the airlines really, I mean, as a kid, um, because I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that was where American Airlines Maintenance operations were. And then Braniff was, uh, you know, born there in Oklahoma and there was a huge amount of, you know American was the largest employer in uh, the, the state private at that time. And so everybody, I knew all the kids, everybody worked for American airlines and the American airlines museum actually started in Tulsa and I had a lot of family and friends. Uh, and most of my family lived in Florida and New York. So we would often be flying and it was always on America or Braniff or Delta and so I just became obsessed. And like eight years old, I'm like, wow, I get to connect on my own flights through Hartsfield when it just first opened. And I just loved it. And so I always collected and ran up and down the, you know, like collecting timetables and then really doing things that you would never do today, like calling the 800 numbers uh, and posing as an adult, trying to get them to send me timetables, please, you know, like, um, and route maps and uh, writing letters to airline executives and, I don't know, nobody probably knows what these are anymore, but there was like city ticket offices where you'd have the big models, the brochures. So I take the bus downtown and get the models and, you know, and just collect all this stuff. And, um, you know, it was one of the earliest forms of airline hoarding, I guess. But, uh, you know, that's the great thing about the internet is you find out there's many just like you. Uh, so I collected all this stuff, uh, for always. And, uh, You know, about 20 years ago in February, yeah, the beginning of 2003, um, I taught myself this really antiquated system to create the website called Dreamweaver, if anybody remembers that. Total HTML. Yes. Really bad Photoshop and throwing a lot of flash. And I mean, it was a, it's just, it was a, it's like, imagine the ugliest MySpace page you've ever seen. And then this was exponentially that much more hideous. But the real goal behind the archive at that time was I had this large collection and I always felt that what good is a collection if you can't share it? And I always wanted to create a museum, a bricks and mortar museum, but, you know, that wasn't practical at the time. So I was like, you know, let's create a digital one. Um, and so I built it uh, in 2003. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, what it was interesting was also my photo collection. So it was a lot of scanning. And uh, and that and uh, that really kind of you know kind of built and became its own thing. And uh, the kind of the airways connection was around 2007. I really had never written an airline article or anything like that, but there was the airliners magazine airways, and what I what I did help produce was the documentary, the building of the Airbus A380. Um, so since I'd followed that program and we got John Travolta to host it and, um, it was like, got invited to go fly on the first flight, uh, inaugural flight, which right. at that moment I got now that's where the, uh, the, uh, addiction to flying first flights. And I wrote a letter to airways and airliners, both that I'd have every issue of then and still do. And I wrote a letter to both of them and I said, Hey, I'm going to go on this flight. I'm not really a writer on aviation, but, uh you know, if you want a story, I'd be happy to do it. And so Airways actually responded first, John Wegg, who was the brilliant founder of Airways, you know, and, um, total men and a legend. And then airliners took about a week to respond. And then they, and then, so I said, well, I can't do it, but my good friend who's a uh, pilot for Cafe Pacific. Uh, we're going to go together. So I gave him airliners. I took Airways and then kind of, I started riding with Airways and Really, just um, you know, just really fell in love with writing a lot, and you know, having an outlet. So I went on the first Dreamliner flight, and then, um, and then around 2013, uh, we I decided to like blog my first story, which was the business class review of a Lufthansa a 3 d flight from Miami to Frankfurt. And so we built a little blog function archive, and then I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool," and then just over just became obsessed. And started writing tons of news. and uh, very shortly thereafter, Jack Hardy, who was another uh, now he's a Delta and with Delta I haven't spoken yeah. to him. Here. But yeah, uh, another brilliant kid. And then a lot of brilliant uh, minds Vinay, Rohan, a number of the OGs all came on. then Roberto, um, who, who is, was amazing. Um, and I really kind of ran this a full-time business. At the same time, John was ready to retire. Um, from Airways. And at the time, Airways prospects were not really great. The business was failing. John, you know, had really was a, him and his wife, I mean, they were really remarkable. I mean, they wrote Airways classics. They published the magazine. He had been with Airlines before. They lived in between half of the year between Sandpoint, Idaho, which is super off the grid, and um, New Zealand. And they would go back and forth, but, at, you know, this was getting tired for him. And so he desperate, he, he believed so much in airways and loved it. It was his baby that, um, he was like, I'm going to shut it down or I need to sell it. And at that time, uh, I considered strongly buying it. Um, but I also had day, a couple of day jobs and I figured this, this may not be the best idea. So in, I met Enrique. And, and so we had we just hit it off right there. And I was always impressed with the way Enrique wrote, and we became friends. And then I remember him talking about his dad and his dad actually in their history in the, in aviation with Biasa. And, you know, there's the mm-hmm. Venezuela market. There are a few markets and industry places that are more interesting in Venezuela Enrique and his father did a great thing and they decided to purchase it and they, and you know, you have to, we have to credit them and that they saved it. Airways would not exist had Enrique and his family. And then Enrique really, you know, because of the way he was educated, uh, his passion and every riddle, you know, he was a really brilliant spokesman. And, a, and I always just a really great writer. And, but Enrique was interesting, had this real sense of taste. Like he was an artist and a designer. Kind of like, you know, Halloween. it wasn't just geeky. It had to look right. It had to be. And so they modernized and freshened it. And his I believe his sister led the redesign. And it became a, almost looked like a, kind of like almost a fashion. They changed the paper stock. Yeah. So at this point, Enrique, I was like, well, archive is about history. The brand doesn't really work when you call it for three years called archive doing current news. So we together merged archive into airways. This is when Roberto comes along and I'm running archive airways digital, kind of what, you know, to what you're doing now, Hellwing, but this was, we didn't, we weren't doing what you're doing. We weren't doing video podcasts and all social, yeah. all, you know, all volunteer and finding some geeks uh, to go along with the ride. So I look at, Kind of like what we did then is like you look at the early days of CNN when Ted Turner found it, and then you look at twenty years later and you 're kind of in awe with the current generation like you guys do uh, and that 's kind of how it started, and then it um was on uh, together for a number of years, and uh archive had kind of diminished because we were so focused on the current, so we spent uh, the last few years rebuilding archive. It actually went away for a while it uh, it had a d check you know we've reentered it back into service and um and it's back better than ever. So I, I, I realize that's a long answer. No, it's a good answer. I
0: feel like there's there's something beautiful in that summary because it is pertinent to all of us, all five of us, or many of us here in terms of the media connection we've all had. I mean, Vinay, you, myself, maybe even Helling and, and Enrique, writing to airlines and writing to you know, magazines when we were young, right? Trying to make sense of the fact that everyone collected Pokemon and baseball cards as a young kid, we were collecting timetables and cocktail napkins and magazines. I mean, it became known for people to bring magazines and timetables to me if they were flying into Dallas. And then my mom got so mad at me after so many years because of all the magazines that I had kept on to. And I had no idea that growing up, there were hundreds, if not millions of other people doing the exact same thing that I was people, you know, begging their parents to take them to the airports, to go pick up timetables from all over the world. And so I'm thankful that my mom didn't throw them out. I kept a lot of them and some of them are being safeguarded by my friend who works at American Airlines. And I'm hoping that if there is a way to do this digitization, I will. Um, And I I totally respect, Chris, the uh, background you provided with regards to merging this kind of collect uh, collectors memorabilia component with the here and now and what's happening as this evolution of, you know, flights and journeys and trip reports to actual stories becomes part of the narrative because there's actual staying power in not just the memorabilia part, but also like the moment in time and airways gave me this beautiful opportunity to not only write after my own website was, you know, not really making me any money to the ability to have, uh, to have like the chance to fly to China in business class on American, on United airlines for the inombro Right. And then, yeah, I went to Chengdu, And then uh, I got to go to Toronto for Porter. And then I got to go to, you know, Fonborough and to other places, right? So I I feel very fortunate that we now live in this world where that connection is possible. And I also try to remind myself, you know, to remind each other too, that like this passion within us is alive Sometimes the media component can be overwhelming and burn us out. Sometimes we may need to step away and do that D check. But it will always be waiting for us on the other side.
1: Oh, those were the days. you got me now getting very uh, nostalgic of the uh, those fam trip days. I think Benet, somehow, we sent him to Farmborough. And then he, uh, he actually went to the American the very first eight. When they took first took the 319, 321 delivery, he went over to Germany, I believe, and did the, I think he got like on a, he actually got on like the Bombardier or somebody's corporate jet coming back or something. After That was from Farnborough. Farnborough, Farnborough 2013. Uh, Jeremy, who is also another uh,
0: name from the, those early Airways days, Jeremy and I flew over and back on Bombardier's CRJ 900, the corporate jet. And um, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting experience went to Mirabelle, right? One, of, one, of, probably one of the last people to fly on a commercial aircraft, like a commercial plane in, in and out of Montreal Mirabelle, which is a fun little piece of, of app geek trivia. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think there was, there was a lot of fun those days. Uh, those days are, are long behind me, maybe less so for the, the rest of the folks on this call. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think the, his, the history is, is really cool. I think it's, it's, we, and we, we see this on our side, too, that like history is what a passion for the history of the industry is what really binds so many different people from all walks of life together. It, you know, it's pilots, it's flight attendants, it's ramp workers, but then it's also aviation enthusiasts and frequent flyers and, um, you know, nerds and geeks all the way around. Um, so, the, yeah, it, it's, it's super cool. So one thing I am curious about is I I definitely, you know, saw a lot of the early, well, let's call it like middle age of the archive, right? Um, I was there with you for a a very long time. I'm curious,
1: what's different now with the new site? Well, I mean, it's, um, it's had a serious cabin refurb. Uh, and, uh, you know, I would say technologically wise, the speed we've gone from a, uh, 747, 300, and we're well past, uh, max territory. It is, um, you know, it's much larger. I mean, there's about 66,000 items. I mean, 11 gig, uh, it is organized. It's uh, these it, the servers, uh, you know, I'm not going to say we're, uh, you know, we're necessarily at Amazon cloud services level yet, but it moves very, 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 very fast. Uh, generally it has, um, uh, the ui has been not only radically uh, reinvented um for browsing but we've really put a lot of effort into ser- making everything searchable and cross searchable you know it's it's just really come a long way in terms of the low level of resolution and 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 uh, you know when you talk about having timetables route maps i hope you would consider um becoming contributors and that we that's a big difference is now we're when it was first built, uh, it was 95%. Well, I'd say 95% on it was my photography and all my stuff. But we've now had a lot of contributors, particularly Tom Harris. And again, the wonderful thing about Airways is that so many people, whether they're here or at airlines or they're they're still in the world, they all start at Airways and have a Seth Miller and Ben Barup. I mean, there's so many people. Tom Harris, you know, a pilot's. Yeah, and they all start there, and so uh, now a big difference is we can they can contribute. So Tom and Jeremy are Bill Sablesack, a number of pilots. People can upload and become part of the community because I don't do it for the money. I do it certainly for as Richard Branson said, the quickest way to become a millionaire is be a billionaire and start an airline. That's how it is with the Air archive because run, uh, running Airways for all those years in Air archive, it's just pure, personally a big. uh Labor of love there's no a clickbaiting there's no there's very little ads um, buy me a cup of coffee i think as they say but yeah so we're very much and what i think is really unique about the archive is we know what we are and we know what we do not do we're not we there's no daily news i mean i'm certainly not a plain spot i mean i enjoy it i know miles and points
0: no miles and no points. no miles and points i'm no credit card no anymore. no credit cards being shelled yeah i was going to say that's the Nope. That. see if, if you're not if you're not a if you're only a modern ab geek if you're someone that just jumped onto this train within the last couple of years and now you have a youtube channel reviewing planes well let me tell you this is not for you yeah
1: we uh yeah there's no uh there's none of it, it there it's really a, a way back machine so what i would say makes it different is what we do have is that i try to really fo- look around and say what doesn't exist well there's immense tours of boneyards for the last 30 years. I always shot, yes, there's pictures of planes, but I've got a lot of the pictures of the cabins and the IFE systems and the menu, the food, and and I mean, 30 years of airline cabins. You don't see as much of that, and it's all in one place, or you want to see the airports, but not just the, uh, you know, any airports you can think of, but you're seeing the terminals, the gate areas, air side, ticket side, ticket age, get agents. You're seeing... Behind the scenes at airlines, you're not only seeing hangars, but you're seeing executive offices. Because I've interviewed, you know, everybody from Ed Bastian to Robert Isom to everybody, you know, many people around the world. So you'll see actually not only inside the hangars and the network control and their, and their archives, but you'll actually see people's offices. So you get a, and the uh, and the corporates, so you get a vibe of the culture, and you can see obviously brochures and timetables and uh I pride myself on taking first and unusual flights like being the only person on, on an MD80 to a to the to Roswell or uh the last DC-8 uh in the air Sophia so you can see the first Qatar uh A350 press delivery where there's only like four of us on I mean so there's a lot of stuff were the engine problems already present or was that a <clears throat> a later on
0: problem <laughs> <laughs> Oh no he was he was being facetious Got a dig at me that was yeah. that was a dig. Was well, it was even a dig at Akbar so much as it was a, um, a humorous callback to the um, <clears throat> Qatar Airways Airbus
1: spat over the A350s. Yeah. Well, uh, well, hey, we're still here, and we're, I don't see Chief anywhere, so I guess we're doing something right.
0: Right. I mean, if I have a picture of the Northwest Airlines snack box that they served me on a DC nine from Minneapolis to Dallas in August two thousand five, is that a potential candidate. Yeah, because it's like that's the stuff that I do have. And, uh, you know, I I did give away before I moved back to Chicago from Dallas. A lot of these artifacts to my friend Joe, who works at American, shout out to Joe and Joe, while I'm in, you know, Dallas, I may want to get those things back. And the labor of love part is probably the part that I need to lead with. Right. In terms of like, yeah, going to a printer and a scanner and putting all this stuff in is very, very uh, what's the word, exonerous, um, but onerous, I guess. But um, I've done it before. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned, Chris, the other people like Ben Bearup and Charles and a lot of these other people that have been contributing to this globalized content. And it is also, you know, on Departed Flights. It's on Departed Flights too. It's on the routes routes online a lot of there's tumblr sites i'm sure there's an only fan somewhere like i mean there's just all sorts of people you're only like half joking but i'm pretty sure on no there I, ab- I saw the other day someone making like thirst trap content with like in the glide path for the the london heathrow runway and i yeah i don't know I, the, the world has come to a very very interesting place chris new new um <clears throat> new avenue for uh for the archives question mark
1: yeah yeah That's a good one. I will say one of the other things that's really meta and the last thing, because I I know you have a question, is that I love museums. So this is pretty meta, but there's a ton of uh, images of pretty much every airline and aircraft museum. So it's like virtual tours. I'm always taking pictures of other museums. So basically I try to train my camera, the route maps, the timetables. I train to try to train all this stuff where I kind of, and you're right, there are a lot of great resources, but I, for the most part, I, tr- I originally tried to look where um, others weren't, but it's all in kind of centralized one place. That said, I mean, we, this is how crazy the airlines, we get calls from airlines themselves and executives and say, we're about to do a 50th anniversary or we are looking for this piece of research that we don't have in our archives. Would you, do you have it or can you loan? We loan our parts. Amazingly. And then we also have executives, senior executives in the industry today who are just like us, who's 50, 60 years ago collected and they say, hey, I've got 5,000 timetables, I'm downsizing. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they'll send it to us, but often they'll they'll scan it and they'll say, and these are people whose names you know who run airlines. And so that's the cool thing is it this is this is not a new thing. This is basically just a digitized version of like, you know, I guess what the next airline is a national. It's a library. I try to get out of the way of the material and let it speak for itself. It's really a, a visual museum. And, and when you see a 727 launch brochure, the whole thing is in there, so you yourself can read it. You're not re- there's an, you're not you're not reading my blogs or writing that. I do that or a QR code for that matter.
0: I mean, yeah. think about like the yeah. glossy paint that's printed on and and stuff like that. Nowadays would just be in a, a QR code to Delta's in-flight menu sorry chris go
1: ahead no no that's you're totally right so no i i just appreciate and that's kind of so it's it's a true uh rabbit hole whether you're a geek and we get a lot of our people who read because they just love pop culture and art and design and nostalgia and glamour and a lot of that's depicted and then a lot of people love it for architecture and a lot of people like it because it's like um you're getting a lot of access to places you shouldn't be so there's an aspirational aspect so it's um if it does one thing, I hope it does what uh, a lot of the shows and collectors did for me, which is they inspire me to and ignite people's passion in this industry. So um, it that it has a, it has a future, which of course it does.
2: And it's a passion yeah. and a fascination that grows. Like it just grows over time for everyone that I speak about this. It's just never ending. Uh, now with the Bonanza, you know, the technology, the fact that we can just with our phones, uh, just document whatever we've collected. Uh, and, but can people upload and contribute? I don't know if this is something that, because I know, you know, Jeremy, Tom, Harris, and many others have, have contributed uh, big time. So can our listeners, who, those who have these types of
1: collections and memorabilia, can they contribute as well? For sure. I mean, there's a big honking, big button on the front page. that says contribute and join us. And it's not contribute money, though. Happily, accept. Yeah, um, and it's not necessarily about shipping uh, physical items. In, a, in fact, I mean, I, pref- I prefer the digital uh, because when I people send me physical stuff, I have to yes. scan it. So it, it, people sending us, there's a you just sign up. We're not harvesting data, um, not selling it. There's cookies, and we're not uh, running a foul. You just load it's up public information, and we credit you, and you have ownership of it. Uh, That's great. But it's a, it's the best, the, my ideal exact, and Halloween, that's a great question because my ideal is right now the collection's probably, I don't know, at this point, 85% my, I would love my collection to be 20% of it. And the whole industry crowdsources it. Um, and I don't watermark it. I don't even try to sell. Uh, we don't really, you know, people can contact us for rights, but the idea is if we want as many contributors as we can, and by the way, we're very free about Sharing it as well if you want to be able to use it, um, as long as we get credit. Yeah. It's cited on Wikipedia. I mean, like that in
0: and of itself, like I've been on rabbit holes that lend me to a route map from an airport on Wikipedia for an airport. And the footnote takes me to archive. And I'm like, okay. And uh, it's funny because I was looking on it earlier today on my phone and I said, actually, I need to move to my laptop and see it from there because I want to see it in, like, the full screen. Um, So, yeah, Chris, I think, yeah, the contribute factor is one question that I had also had, but the other one that I had had, which might be more of an undertaking, but um, would you ever put in a, like, most wanted or, like, nice to have if anyone has it? Like, for example, um, were you there in, uh, you know, 2000 when uh juanus had the um dreaming uh 747 i I can't pronounce the name the aboriginal name but like wunala dreaming when you had do you have any photos of wunala Dreaming? um if you like you're
1: playing you're like playing stump the band then is that what that's called? Can I can I it's a well as an old game, like stump can you stump the band? You're like it's like making a request. Oh got it. Yes, yes, a song
0: they don't know and you would like them to play or something. You're saying uh, you
1: actually have that photo. You're like a challenge.
0: Uh well, we'll yeah seeing that, but it's also asking if um if you have like a like a, a wish list. Uh, this, yeah, that's exactly right. Right. Like um for your fans, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think my wish list is, I think how Wing said it, you get, you start mainlining jet a kerosene in your veins. It's a very difficult addiction. There is no gnome cure. Uh, there's <laughs> reading rehab center for Avge addiction. Just um, only I fans. Died. I mean, when I was 16 till about 22 girls and muscle cars were my, I mean, it took a little break, but so it's kind of an endless, uh, what is on the bucket list. I mean, I, uh, the only thing is, is you know, I mean, yeah, I've got a, I've got a massive wander list of airports and certain really nerdy specific uh, pieces. I'd love to add the collection. Um, but the thing about it is, is ultimately my goal with the physical collection, this collection is worth, I mean, it's a lot of, worth a lot of passion, a lot of energy. It's worth a lot of money. I keep it well protected, curated, and stored. My goal is not to keep it. My, phys- my real goal is I'm actually myself looking uh, at some point, for that, a museum. Um, because as we get older, the last thing you want when you pass, not that I'm that old, but I, is, when you're, is for your kids to shove and go, My dad's got this model of a, it looks like EC 10 on it. It's seven feet long and it's, I think it's valuable. It's all lit up and like that's literally the prototype that Douglas used. There was only three of them to take the air shows. And I've got the Concorde cutaway in the other room that was in the factory lobby at Bristol, you know, where they built the plane. All this stuff has a lot of value to me and air geeks, but nope, not necessarily to my son. So I don't want to burden them with having to go through grandpa's house looking to... So our, my goal is eventually for this over time, and a lot of this stuff is loaned out. You can go to the Miami airport, you'll see my 747 TWA hanging from the ceiling. Um, I love sharing it, and um, and my ultimate goal is for it to wind up in a place uh, all in one place as for a research library and have it physically accessible and also have the models on display. And my wife will be really happy to get rid of all this crap. That would be awesome to see that. Yeah, that was the goal originally, of the archive, So the archive one day needs to become a wing. And um, that's my, my next big goal is the, the main job is when I collect is photo scan it and put it out to the public. And then I just kind of, except for the models and, and some of the knickknacks, um, it's all. It's all in story. you know, it takes two full storage units. To, I mean, I've got the desk from the uh, w- from the wing of the first Delta ten eleven. I mean, there's a lot of crazy, crazy stuff in there um, that takes a lot of room.
0: Now, the real question is, have you managed to get your hands on a copy of the old Delta darkboard? Uh, Was there an actual old Delta dartboard? No, <laughs> no. I mean, because, but if you read, if you read "Glory Lost and Found," I'm, I'm seeing a, I might be. Uh, burglarize your house for it <laughs> i i feel like if you read glory lost and found you could totally make the dartboard simulation just by like doing a whole west africa expansion then doing another one um you know into europe markets with the 757 no i mean joking aside i i i, I also think it's so cool too that you know, you potentially have Robert Eisen or, you know, Glenn Howenstein knocking on your door. Um, you know, with this kind of stuff, uh, it also is good too that you have the people that like you know you would maybe want to hand this off to, um, legacy people that take on assets and memorabilia from airlines should remember what it was like to actually flip through
1: a timetable book one that we would have to- the very last one that i can find like the part of the air, like history is in, invented every day right i mean that's the cool thing about history is history does never ends until the end of human consciousness but so i try to keep the photos in particular as current and the brochures because there is very there is less and less of the paper yeah you can go to an air show and you can still pick up, but as I think you made the joke, it's increasingly, yeah, the key QR codes. But I do have the launch brochure of the A380 and I do have the, when they pitched the A380 Neo and the A380, there were multiple variants to save it and they actually did have brochures for that. So that stuff exists, but like the last timetable that I found in my collection would be probably like 2003. The last, I think the last to publish in the United States was, a deltas so till two thousand two, and yeah. weirdly, weirdly, what I found real interesting is like U.S. Airways until the very end would actually publish. Uh, some airlines would publish a full PDF of what it would look like printed. They just wouldn't, on yeah. it, yeah. But, um, but so, but the photos we try to keep absolutely as uh, current um, as possible. So because that history will never be written. So as d- people based in Dallas, if you go for Dallas, for instance, I've been taking pictures of DFW since, I don't know, the early 90s. And so you can see Terminal C, D a, as they've
0: evolved. It's kind of interesting. And they were not called that. They were called 2E, w- 2W,
1: 3E, 4E. Miami, LaGuardia. Go look at LaGuardia in the Mi I mean, I because I also document the same place every few years. So, Tokyo Narita. You want to see how London Heathrow uh, has evolved. And even things that are new then, we're now finding a new old. So it's like, oh, okay, here's the cabin of the, very, of the first uh, British Airways, because uh, that's a trivia question, but of the very early, early cabins that are four generations ago. But when I took pictures of them, they were brand new, and they were like world-beating.
2: Because I'm looking at the archive uh, website. You just, airplanes, cabins and cockpits, manufacturers and maintenance, yards, airports, memorabilia, behind-the-scenes, menus, Museums, you mentioned that safety cards special flights timetables it's just it's everything well and also i'm
0: looking at like the menus for example and it's so cute that you have these little icon tiles for menus that are using the airline's current logo right you got air canada american alaska and iberia's you know current logos for example and then, like, the actual pictures will have, like, a lobster for Alaska and uh, something different for all the pond, like, sushi. Uh, and then, as Al uh, looks like it might have a kosher meal. Did you do all that? I mean, Spain, Spain has straight up, like, um, meats and panam. First person to just caught that Easter egg. no i mean this is stuff that i would love to do i mean i would do stuff like this you know with silly putty growing up i would make like you know a pretend economy class meal what the like different things would look like and you look over but if you look at this right now
1: like what i i will i have to admit you know it takes a village i have a very talented um and very quirky uh designer uh who works with me and a web designer as well because and I, uh his name is andy fernandez i mean he literally built this thing uh it's because it's, it's it's well beyond my scope um and those are and so we put in and so we put in a lot of little there's a lot of little quirky things and there's a lot of weird things in the collection that people are going to be like i'd be very curious when people stumble across like really obscure <laughs> want to see cubana's 50th anniversary brochure from 1979, which is so poorly translated, but it's hilarious because every page is basically a dig at America. You know, it's <laughs> like you want to see the 747 pitch book somewhere uh, on there for Iran Air to take the SP, or you want to see like uh, uh, a lot of stuff that like never came to be. Uh, yeah. Particularly the most interesting, I think like the Boeing archives. Which isn't open to the public. There's a whole section in there just of like all the models of the display aircraft, of the, the development models. So you can see what a three engine 747 looks like, or a uh, double decker full A3D looking 747 looks like, or, or a 727 uh, next generation only had two rear ended that look like DC. I mean, all, there's a lot of really obscure stuff in there that I think people. Did. My favorite uh, obscure thing in there, I'm going to show you because it actually is in here. Is uh, you, you guys you know about Freddie Laker? It was the, ben- yeah. yeah, Laker Airways. Laker Airways. Yeah. So his son's a friend of mine. So he's like his wife, too. Even you would think he, he grew up here in Miami. He was moving to North Carolina. Well, you, I mean, he's got basically the ultimate collection of the whole Laker. But even his wife's like, we got to get rid of this crap. We're moving. He can't get rid of everything. So, you know, sir Freddie Laker. You know, inspired Richard Branson inspired LCCs. He was also knighted by the Queen of England. So he gives me he comes over. He says, "I got something from the misses." I'm like, what's that? And He's like, "Well, he's like, you know, when when Freddie was knighted, uh, you know, there's a certain hat you have to wear, and I'm giving it to you. So I'm wearing now the hat that Freddie Laker was knighted. Okay. By. And uh, and if you look inside the uh, you look inside the hat, it actually has his initials, Freddie Laker. There's the oh. That's no crazy. way! Wow. And then, and then also, <laughs> right behind there, that's a little toy that was the, his dad gave that to him of a model. He said, "When you have your kids, I want you to have it." And the weirdest thing is back. See that airplane on the on the cage there, Freddie Laker. That was on his desk his entire career. He invented. You wrote an Airways article about it, it called the captain. They built four of them and they tore them. Yeah, they trapped him. That's the model that was his model. His desk and finally, you know. As a prove a point, his entire 30 Rolls Royces, but he always got the same license plate. So he gave me the da- dad's license plate that was always on the Rolls Royces, you know, whenever he was going to Buckingham Palace. So it's like, not only are there model fun stuff, but there's just super quirky stuff in it. To me, that's the, you want like a lot of really weird stuff. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. 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 We need a museum. We need, Probably, we need. This might be my yeah. Favorite,
2: favorite item. Um, that is so cool. And here in South Florida, it would be great to have that museum. Oh yeah. honestly, it's not it's not a bad spot. There's You're a lot of aviation history. Of course. You have extra space in your house for L. Wing? we can talk to some, you know, also
0: down Dallas Fort Worth area, I'm telling you, like there's a lot of good aviation museum here. For sure. You got the museum you got the Frontiers of Flight, you got the CR Smith Museum. I mean, think about how many people from this city Grew up and worked for Braniff, worked for American Airlines, worked for Southwest Airlines. Have relocated here. People that may have worked for Delta, even. There's been a lot of airline bases, also from Spirit and Frontier. No, North Dallas, Texas,
1: I mean, Dallas is the is, is the right idea. I mean, it's the ultimate. I think aviation cluster. Uh-huh. And you know, I put Dallas, Montreal, Miami. There's a Pewitt in Seattle. Um New they, York. I think only one real museum that I know of that is. Totally dedicated because you know, like in Dallas, you have the Cr Smith, and a lot of the museums have military. There's only one museum that, that I know of that's really on a big level, purely commercial, and that's the Flight Path at LAX. And they mm. tend to focus. It's amazing, and they redid it, but they t- and renovated. It on but they tend to focus on um aircraft airlines that did service LAX. So it's interesting. I it's what you say is that. I wish I had, or maybe I will have one day the constitution to create my own, Um, but I kind of would like it to wind up at a place where there's already a predisposed fan base. But the one you mentioned in Dallas, I mean, again, weird stuff. That museum in Dallas at Love Field started on the second floor of Love Field. And if you go on the site and look under museums in um, the, uh, what is that? The Pioneers of Flight Museum, you'll actually see photos of what that museum looked like when it first opened, when it was just a tiny little room. Uh, uh. That beautiful American Airlines Museum of C.R. Smith in Dallas. That started at the Tulsa International Airport. I remember when I was a kid and it was downstairs in the baggage plane with like two models. So that's a really fun, there's a fun like history. That's another thing that's the meta part of it. It's the history of history.
2: It's interesting because it's actually what we're, Talking about and listening to you, um, it's the history of the history, the history of how the archive was, uh, you know, began and how it has grown to having more than 60,000 items. The fact that you were part of how Airways uh, began, and now we are, you know, pushing what almost a mo- million views monthly. Uh, the magazine has come back monthly. Robert wow. is
1: doing an amazing job with yeah, that. Dude, and, man, I remember when we would get to like, we got to 450,000 once, and I don't remember what this, like, oh my God, well, we've arrived, Drop the mic. It yeah, might almost. have been Ethiopian 787 when it was on fire at Heathrow for like a month. Oh,
0: yeah. No, oh, no.
2: Those stories kind of do, yeah, a lot of views, but also uh, just the media, uh, 150K oh. in uh, Twitter, 160,000 in Instagram, almost like 190,000 Facebook, and it just keep, keeps
1: growing YouTube. I still have the, tw- I mean, I'm, a- I'm kind of angry with Twitter. I think we just might've broken up a few years, but I just, I pulled up and found the very first, you know, time we ever tweeted. Um, and that was uh, 2012, uh, which is, we're going to Lufthansa on the, uh, a 380 It was like when I, David Parker Brown at the, uh, uh, I can't believe I'm blanking. Cause that's kind of the, he's the OG in many ways, I think. Yeah. Um, at uh, airline reporter. I, I, right. You were, this was before there was the airline geeks. This was before the civil flying. There really was. This was well before the, the points guy. I mean, there was like, he was still trading, trading stocks and points in his bedroom. The airline reporter, as I recall, and Brett, uh, you know, Snyder. I look at those guys like, wow, well, wow, those guys are really in early. Um, as well as at, back in those days, you'd only find airliners.net and, and kind of like those guys. And um, so it's really remarkable to see just how the change and yet some of the same brands are still around. And NYC Aviation was a real big one back in the day that was excellent. Yeah, yeah. It's really wonderful to see. And, 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 and I have to say, you know, big props because in the old days, people didn't take Airways and the lot they just thought, oh, that's just for geeks. And you know what? Here's the interesting thing is I go into a lot of executive suites and I go all around the world and I see Airways up and mm-hmm. those magazines up on screens in network planning, in revenue management, yes, know, executive's office. So these in many ways, it's just like in the real world where there used to be the mainstream media, and I'm a part of the mainstream media, but a lot of the interloper disruptor brands like Airways and social media, you know, often scoop the big guys. So you mentioned Richard Branson earlier, and just recently Enrique
2: uh interviewed Richard it was just amazing. And and I'm here because of Enrique. I, I came on board Airways because of him. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's a journey that gets better and better, I think.
1: Yeah. You guys have credit. You have, there's credibility that, you know, cause in the old days when we started, it was like a bunch of, it's just all the joke I said about Vinay. It's like, oh, those guys, they're just a bunch of kids or we would hire, we pay, we would hire, but it was a lot of kids. And a lot of the stuff we would break and we would break stories and show things and we'd get calls and people were like, How'd you get that information? And we didn't know better. And it was like, so you would often beat mainstream press back in those days. And and the respect now is that um as of what I said is, you know, I've gone I've seen airways in many, many, not only in the corporate offices, but literally in C suites. And people read it and they're not just reading it for Pure nostalgia. There's actual, real information they're getting, and, and market intelligence and analysis. So, yeah. um, that's the great thing. Is it plays to multiple audiences. It's like watching The Simpsons, everybody watches it differently. Yeah, but we need to get better, and that's. Uh, I hope we're doing that. A lot that. of that goes back to Vanee and Rohan because, and Jack Hardy. These guys, I still look back at like the uh, one of the stories. You know, like the what was it, the Star War, the uh, Transcon Wars which was a New York to LA analysis. And it's like these guys, you know, and, and Rohan, I remember you wrote some, had you wrote something crazy uh, kind of deep dive into the Dallas market. And it was like, these guys were pulling data and points and going into like, I don't know if they had booted um, accounts of like Statistica and like, uh, like seeking alpha, but it was always, I was like, Where are these kids getting this kind of information? It was, <laughs> at, and, 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 some some of those stories like really assert ourselves. And a lot of the stuff that we pioneered then, we were the first, Airways was the first, and our social, we invented the form of live tweeting and live blogging. That first A380, that first A350 to Singapore, 36 hours straight, we were doing live video. We yeah. were on
0: in live tweeting every night. TWA Hotel, man. I mean, that was probably the last story that I wrote. It was right after I left the industry, I remember. And I recall going in, uh, writing a story right as inaugural was happening. And you had been so gracious to, you know, kind of bring me there and invite me there. And we were all talking about the chaos of the day and how there were so many problems and there were so many things that were not good and going poorly for their soft opening with all the hype. And yet I submitted a draft to you, but then you kind of said to me, Hey, I mean, like, there's also like so much history here that we can talk about. And I went back and I actually rewrote the entire article, and I focused way more on the positives. Like think about how many people have come here today, dressed the way they are in their original uniforms from GWA. Think about the fact that, like the sunken lounge and the rotary screen is like representative about what it was like back then. Um, I happened to come across. A group of flight attendants that, you know, obviously retired, but said, you know, that day we were supposed to work flight 800 in July 96 and our flight plan changed from Paris to Rome. You know what I mean? And so in that vein, just kind of like how it is very much also oriented around um, in the moment, you know, you're hustling in this media world. You know, you're up on that flight from Sao Paulo back to Dallas, writing the story to get it out there. When I was flying to China, when I was flying back from uh, from Toronto on the Porter experience, I'm like, there's also an obligation, like a you know, kind of duty as a reporter to not just enjoy it and have fun while you're on the job and take pictures and get quotes and interact with people. You have to also put together that story. And you want to put out there that art. And I appreciate what you said. Enrique, In, he's, you know, an artist, right? We all are all artists, right? To be a story content creator, you know, you have to be able to put that out there. I mean, just for fans, only fans, like whatever it may be, like you're actually doing
2: this very hard legwork. That's part of the DNA because just doing the Dubai air show last week, we we're like 24 hours Seven, you know, I was up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. These guys were just taking photos, writing stories, even on, on the planes, just after, after doing interview after interview, which I hope we'll see also on the magazine. It's, there, it's still there because
1: it is an obligation. I mean, I did it. And when I did, I was by myself. But the first person who Fairways was Vinay. And I remember it was like, we'll send one. We sent him over by himself. Hmm. And um, I think Jason Rubinowitz had kind of done part of it with. A, he did it half and half with one year, and then Benet was the first to do it by himself, and he had the whole thing on his head. And so I just remember him not sleeping. That's why you talk about the bombardier because he's coming back, and there's a shot of him on the looking just like death warmed over, or, or or worse, like a sandwich. I think I went to 25
0: press conferences. for 20. A and we—I so, I, I believe I wrote a story from every new commercial aircraft order at the at the show, including analysis. And then I also um, interviewed the head of the A350 program. If I'm remembering that
1: that was so long ago, but it was a long time ago. But I mean, it's like and then we would tag team, like you're describing, Wing, where people would be uploading photos and taking a picture of the press, really before team on the wires, and okay, so we can start typing and what. Then you're running to the okay. You're getting a tweet. You've got to run over to the GE chalet, and it was like, well, wow, awesome, yeah, yeah, and I rock and roll days. And the fact that it's still in the DNA, and then when I watch it now, I'm like, man, I was watching you guys last week. I'm like, man, they still, they are on it. How many they got? Like, well, how many twenty people? I'm like, probably not. But I'm like the, uh, I think we're like five or four. But it felt like that for sure. I don't that. think it's games, though because my cousin lives at Gate One at Farmborough. He's lived there 15 years, so the the air we said from the airways bureau and it's it was us on like a futon
3: this january get ready for an exciting issue of airway's magazine packed with captivating stories from the world of commercial aviation join us as we take you on an exclusive tour of european air transport's cargo hub in leipzig uncovering the significance of the airbus a300 for this cargo airline Celebrate the 40th anniversary of Airbus A320 as we explore the incredible influence of this iconic aircraft on commercial aviation. Discover the inspiring story of Air Tindi, a vital lifeline in the Northwest Territories. We take you on a journey through their remarkable operations embark on a thrilling adventure across Queensland as we hop on board a Rex Sab 340, experiencing the beauty of the Australian landscape from the skies. And finally, immerse yourself in the mesmerizing sights of aircraft lining up on final approach at Tokyo's Haneda Airport. We take you on a journey that celebrates the beauty, power, and precision of aviation at one of the world's busiest airports. Don't miss out on these incredible stories and more in the upcoming January issue of Airways Magazine. Get your copy now at your nearest Barnes & Noble or online at airwaysmag.com/shop.
1: All right. Well, uh, now we're gonna see how well you really know your archive AB geek trivia. So, you guys ready to play some trivia? And there is a good prize pack to the winner. Alright. Right. Yeah. Now, all I ask is no googling, no open AIing. <laughs>
0: well to be fair, if, if we use ChatGPT, we'd probably get the wrong answer half the time. So. <laughs> probably. No no alexing. Like like with my son. No no asking my parents, because you know, my mom might know. Believe it or not, my mom, sidebar, was the one that told me that American Airlines flies the Airbus A300s to South America. She knew that in 1997. Yeah, it was kind of informative. So I won't ask my parents. They're they're in the recording studio, aka I'm at their house. So I will
1: not call a friend, I promise. No phone of friends. No phone of geeks. All right, guys, we're going to start easy. First question, which of these airlines was not a predecessor carrier of Delta. Hughes Air West, Chicago and Southern, National, Northeast, Northwest. Uh, Hughes
0: Air West. <sighs> I think I know. Okay,
1: runner up. Rohan. Northeast. Steel and Hellwing. Was it South? Wait. Okay, okay repeat, repeat from the top. Repeat Wait. from the top. <laughs> yeah, let's repeat from the top. So, which of these airlines was not a predecessor carrier, which means it was never part of a merger or buyout with Delta? People yeah. West, Chicago and Southern, National, Northwest, or Northeast?
0: So the answer. National. Is- national. Okay. National. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I did you Western. I was thinking of Western with your answer. One second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. One second. I'm going to disagree with your answer because Delta bought out a portion of Pan Am. That's how it acquired its whole European route network. Oh. Um, and it bought the assets of Pan Am. And so, and, and Pan Am obviously merged with National in 1980. So I think that that National is a predecessor <laughs> of Delta Airlines. I'm actually challenging the question to that. And this is exactly
1: why Vinay used to get all the hate mail. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't know. That's pretty good. Um I'm gonna dis. I'm I'm, I'm 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 making
0: a motion to disqualify the question. Wait, but is it thing. directly? Is it directly? Yeah, yeah, because because Del- Delta acquired the assets of Pan Am. No, they
1: acquired the or no, they didn't. They acquired some assets, but that's like saying that uh, that they acquired some route assets and aircraft. They never acquired a certificate. The terminals. They never equipment? acquired a certificate. Every. Airlines horse trade all the time for routes and equipment. That doesn't. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know, but it it was it was the it was the bankrupted
0: assets of I I, I don't know I, I I think there's enough national airlines lineage in Delta's history that I don't think you can claim that it wasn't a predecessor. There are national routes, national planes, and national employees flowing through the veins
1: of Delta Airlines. Uh, Chris, you have seniority here, right? Yeah, I mean, you you can give the point to Rohan, but I I have to give you credit. That is excellent, and just because of the uh, because of the logic, I think I will. Well, no, I'm I can't. (laughs) I I think you should get. I think you. uh, I think I think it was excellent logic. Very very impressive. And again, why the name was never wrong. I always got the email. Okay, this is an easy one. Uh, Okay, I'm watching for the. Okay. What it now this one is there's this one, there's two kind of two possible answers. So I will accept either. What is the oldest airline in Asia consistently operating under its the same name its entire history? Okay, you Well, I, I have this. <laughs> Okay, so I'm repeating
0: the question. The oldest continuously operating airline with the same name intact in Asia. In Asia. Oh, in Asia. Okay, I thought that's what I heard. ALMs or Avianca's or. Yeah, or Qantas. Okay.
1: Oh. So in Asia? Okay, I actually don't know that one. Oh, is Vinay going for the steal or just wiping his brow? I'm wiping my brow. And even if he's wrong, he's going to find a way for it to be right. It's not Philippines. Oh, you got it. Wow. (laughs) Hell waiting for the. Okay. So does that mean
0: Halloween is in the lead?
1: Uh, yeah, Long man and Hellwing are tied because that we're tied. Uh, oh, tied.
0: That's oh, I was tension. given the Western Airlines. OK, yeah. well, I'm uh, yeah. filing a protest with the Russian judges, but sure. Whatever. <laughs> no, no worries.
1: Oh, so, anyway, Philippine airline. Does anybody want to guess what the second one uh, would be acceptable in Asia? Mm hmm. Because we can give a point for it. Would it be? It wouldn't
0: be Aeroflot Uh if, it, if we're coming Turkey, uh, Turkish Airlines, Turkey. No, I don't. Know. No. First I don't of all, they, they t- just changed their name. Uh, China Airlines. No. <laughs> no, I don't think China Airlines.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Absolutely. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> um, the Philippine Airlines, founded in 1941, is the oldest airline under operating. It's own name, but. Now, this is you guys are gonna be ashamed of yourselves, but the airline which eventually became Air India, oh uh, the it. oldest founded in 19- 1932.
0: Ah, right. No, but it didn't start operating under the Air India name until uh, later. I understand. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. More hate mail for Benetti from the Oh, geez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's move on to question number three here. Boy. Who is the Bruh. longest currently serving? CEO of a U.S. carrier, and that is currently still serving. Name the person, name the airline, and for bonus points, name the year this person became CEO and
0: president. Two clarification questions. In their current job, and are you asking
1: continuous or total tenure? I'm going to say the person serving longest currently and continuously in the U.S., and it's a long time. And here's a hint. It's not the big four. And it's not. It is a large airline. Um, but it's okay. I'm going to make it easy. It does not necessarily fly under its own name. I was going to Indiegogo.
0: That's what I was going to. Well, go ahead, Vinay. You, you hit the button first. Oh. The name uh, I actually I was going to guess Maury Gallagher, but that but I just realized that he's not continuous. He just came back. Yes, exactly. Allegiant. Oh, right right. So because you, you clarified continuous,
1: that's wrong. And even still, in terms of the number of years, uh, wouldn't compare to this yeah. person who's, who's the one. Does anybody want to guess? He's not. The airline does not operate under its own brand. Is, very, is, is this America. America? North America? It's a U.S. carrier.
2: It's a U.S. carrier. I'm going to go with Barry Biffle and Frontier.
0: No, it's a regional. He's calling out a regional. Oh, it's a regional. Atkins? Oh, gosh. Is it Mesa? Is it Mesa? Yeah. With, uh, with the freaking, what's his name? Um, Jonathan Ornstein.
1: Jonathan Ornstein. Oh. Wow. No, he's been there for a minute. Jonathan Ornstein actually joined in the company in 1980 as president and CEO and was named chairman back in 1990.
0: Yeah, dude, he did that whole Mesa reveal party, the new brand, and like through this like rager that's on YouTube. It's really worth checking out. John Dean like went all out for the new Mesa rebranding. Were we not invited? No, but we can use uh in the link uh or the editing notes of this version like a link to that Mesa 2000 yeah reveal.
1: All right, so right now Rohan leads two to one a Hellwing. Nay, we need you in here, baby. Let's go. You got it. You got it, brother. You got it. All right. This is a pretty easy one. I kind of alluded to this earlier. So I'm watching. I'm watching grants. Which airline pioneered the modern day concept of lie flat seats in first class and then did the same in business class? And for onus, bet, bonus points, what year, Vinay? British Airways. Yes. Vinay is on the board. Nice job. Um, and then for the year first and business, for first and then Club World, what year? Uh, I'm gonna definitely get this wrong, well, but I'm gonna say like
0: 87 for first and 92 for Club World.
1: No, but that's a good. It's a good guess. uh They're not actually the first quote lie last lie flat, sir. Flat C, not a sleeper at, not a angled flat was 1996 and first for British Airways. And then ah, they okay. debuted in 2000, the first Club World business class. So as much as we disparage and hate and abhor the previous Club World product. Um, again, and by the way, just a shameless plug, if you'd like to see all such cabins, you may go on the archive and look under Airline Cabins of British Airways. 2004, you will see both cabins, which at their time were the first in State of the Art. Period. Period. Now they are hopelessly
0: outdated. So really <laughs> yes, I just flew back on the A380
1: in that business cool. class. Yeah. Cool. Okay. This is a, now this listen closely because you guys, and so I'm just going to say the answer is not, I'm going to help you out. I'm just going to preface the question with this, with this, the answer is not in Asia. It is not an Asian airline. So just now here's the question in terms of frequency. What has been the busiest route in the world operated by a single carrier of the last 30 years? And I'm talking about a daily frequency for one single airline, what route, and what airline. And that's been really the last 30 years until really, 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 like in the last couple of months. I'm going to go. It's
0: Iberia between Madrid and Barcelona. No. Why? That's a good yeah. that that died when the Renfe came out, right? Well once they added high speed rail. So that, that it wouldn't have died in the last couple of months, which was a good clue. Um Oh, oh, oh. Um and then you come in for the steel. this is like half an answer, but is it um Congonhas to Santos Dumont in um uh Brazil
1: on Tom? I don't believe so. I've never, I actually did not check that one, but I do. N- <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know my Ethereum data. <laughs> well, COVID, but I'm saying Ethereum David.
2: <laughs> I was like, why, why do we miss the I, name? I know. Totally. okay. Okay. So okay. pull up your Ethereum. Okay. But anybody want
0: to go? Okay. Yeah. All Italia too. <laughs> All <Alitalia>. right. <laughs> wait, wait, hang on, hang on. I have I have a couple I have a couple more guesses. Give, give me give me a minute here. So um okay, so Alitalia. That was that was something. Um Okay, I'm gonna guess uh and, and this is by frequency, right? This is by like daily flights,
2: not seats. Daily flights. Daily flights, not seats. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And not um, Asia. Yeah, and not God. Asia. He's gonna try to invoke something from Japan. Thirty years until. No, 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 no. Um, Korea, it's not Korea. It's not,
0: Yeah, it's it's not. sold to Jeju, oh, right? Right. Exactly. Okay. No, no, it won't be Africa. Um, it could be South Africa. Africa. Is it Hawaiian from Honolulu yeah. to? Yeah. yeah. No, no,
1: no, no. Kauai. Yeah, yeah, makes sense.
0: Nice. Yeah. Good guess.
1: Go. Maui. Maui. Push. Last thirty years. Yes, they were at the uh, up until August. They were operating up to 22 daily frequencies with 717.
0: Yeah. Though technically, if you combine all of the, the Korean wind. Air sub brands un- into one, it's no, going- we're not. Oh, talking I'm talking about Jeju. We're not talking about Jeju Air. We're not talking oh, about oh, Eastar J. No, the wind.
1: So right you now you can give the well, point to Ron. It's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't <laughs> I have do to two each. So come on head back in. Now, Winkley, you got the hard, you, the ones who got the hard question before. All right. This is you baby, you got it. All right. Who are the antecedent carriers of both? And I want you to name them all. The current American airlines, Northeast shuttle and the Delta shuttle. As we know, the American airlines, Northeast shuttle is barely a shuttle, but who are the all who are the four carriers that were the that created that and who are the carriers that led to the delta shuttle? And the American shuttle, it's here's a hint. Its carrier was, okay, this is really going to give away the original inventor of the concept. So, okay, so
0: on the American side, I think the order of operations goes Eastern, then New York Air, then
1: Trump and then U.S. Airways. That Trump, correct? But I don't believe New York Air. I think it was its own shuttle, but it wasn't part of that because New okay. York Air actually wound up, as we know, absorbed ultimately by Continental and uh, United. Okay, yeah. But so would it be Alleg- Allegheny, Eastern, Trump, and U.S. Airways? So we got to we got to Okay, okay. No. those three. Yeah. Who's for Delta? There's only one.
0: I want to say it's a trick question because uh, the Delta shuttle came from the U.S. Airway slots. Uh, no, I the Delta, Delta shuttle predates that. Says, are, you, is, are we talking about
1: Delta shuttle before? Oh, Rohan, are you trying to act? Are you also, it says, it says Rohan on your name, but you're speaking like you're Binet. Coming to this crazy analysis. It's easy. Well, Who was it? What year? Uh, I would give it a... Vinay kind of alluded to this earlier. I know. It was an... at. Yes. Who said that? Me.
2: Helling. Helling. Oh, well, now... Okay, we got a tie. We got... By not giving me the
1: year, I kind of... Vinay has three. Helling and I have two. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. When you watch Jeopardy, all the contestants, if they get a que- they don't want a question, do they automatically say, we're the judge now? <laughs> <laughs> all right. To be fair, you, you did pick a,
0: let's call it a, some questions that have debatable <clears throat> providence, right? Like, you know, you could say said, what year was the inaugural flight of the 747? That's a factual answer that has one correct answer. It is what it is. Also, this is probably more fun. So,
2: <laughs> new- <laughs>
1: yeah. You might okay. okay. Largest operator of the Boeing seven forty seven four hundred in terms of frames, currently or historically, ever, ever. Here's a hint: they were the second. They were the second operator of it. British Airways. All right. I don't oh. think I raised my hand. I raised my hand first, but okay, sure. That's well. We had talked to. Okay, hey, I give you. I got a chance for you then. For one, exactly. Okay. Same question with the seven forty seven three hundred. Japan Airlines. That's a very good guess. Is that your final answer? Uh,
0: uh I knew British Airways, but um, I mean, there's not that many operators of the three three hundred in the first place. Like Japan Airlines, yeah, Japan, I, Air, I one company that bought a Korean Air. Uh, Korean, Air. Uh, Korean Air. Korean Air didn't have enough then, though. They were they were still great. Um, no. I'm gonna go ahead and say
1: seven so, uh, okay. Here's a hint. They just came back with a retro scheme. That's their permanent scheme livery.
0: Saudi, Saudi, Saudi Arabian. Yeah, I got it. I got it. That was me. Saudi.
1: That's great. great. Well, <laughs> all right. Going to catch that. all right The, la- the largest oper- Saudi actually operated. Uh, like something like thirty-five of these things, or like
0: an, yeah, uh, and one of them crashed. One of them had a had an accident, right?
1: Where the one that like they went over like a river or something like that. I can't remember something like that. And they operated until two thousand twelve. BA actually operated fifty-nine seven forty-seven four hundred. They were we mm-hmm. last operators until what twenty twenty. Which airline was the first to operate scheduled domestic jet services within the U.S. What route and what year? TWA JFK LAX
0: 1958?
1: No. 59? No. Uh, Sorry, can you repeat the question? Which airline was the first to operate scheduled domestic jet services within the U.S.? What year and what route? Oh, I know this. Is it American from... That would be a good guess, but it's actually not correct. But it's a really good guess. Because this airline did a lease, but actually did operate before American. It was also the answer to one of our earlier questions in the the trivia game. Eastern? Nope. national yes so na- national for christmas and beginning in christmas 19th ah. the winter season lease boeing 707s from pan am okay route was miami and new york to JFK, and they, and american which you are which is an excellent guess because just a few weeks later american began its permanent owned transcon uh new york LA. that was january of 1959 Mm. That was an excellent guess, but you still, you still got it. All right. Yeah. So that's Binet. So, uh, okay, which one of these US carriers all operated 747 within a year of its launch? But one of these airlines never actually is really only one of the big airlines that never actually purchased it. They leased theirs, they never actually purchased a 747. Was it Delta, Eastern, TWA, Pan Am, American, or United? I'm gonna guess American. Uh, Eastern. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they leased theirs. They never uh, wanted to operate. Yeah, it. they leased it because the l Eleven was delayed because of Rolls Royce problems. They leased it from TWA. Well, so, yeah, I didn't I see. I didn't know Eastern and TWA very well because I never flew them. Now this one's a pretty cool one. This is one of my favorites, and this one's deceptive. Which regular scheduled route still retains the longest nonstop flight in the world? But this is not based on distance. This is based on duration lot. And this is a long time ago. So it's not the longest by distance. But in terms of regularly scheduled hours, nonstop duration aloft. Ever? Crazy number. Uh, this one shocked me. Yeah.
0: This is not all history. It's not. It's not present day. It's, it's like ending in the history of, of aviation, pretty much. And yeah, the history of aviation. Uh, was it the San uh, the Pan Am Clipper from San Francisco to Tokyo, or? of
1: San Francisco. That part you got right. San, San Francisco to Sydney. That was operated nonstop. The longest was. Anybody else want to take a guess? New York to Hong Kong. So the longest one in terms of regular schedule, this is kind of shocking, was in 1957, TWA set the room for the longest duration, nonstop passenger flight. This was aboard a piston power airline, London to Heathrow, San Francisco. And uh, this was the the longest time aloft, nonstop, coming back, that was westbound, was 23 hours and 19 minutes. On a long-range sixteen forty Right. And then they actually beat it, and then what's the regularly scheduled, and that was the longest. I mean, that was abnormally long, sure. but uh, the, the regular scheduled was still even beat today's uh, Newark, Singapore, San Francisco, Paris, Orly, regularly scheduled was 19 block time with 19 hours, 45 minutes westbound. Mm. Wow. Crazy, right? That's crazy. imagine? That's crazy. Have <laughs> On a prop jet, or on a, on a propeller plane, too. All right, we're getting down to the end here. So, Boac pioneered the first commercial jet passenger service in 1952 with the Comet. But who was the second airline to operate jets in commercial service, and with what aircraft type? Was it Air France with the Caravelle? That's a very, very, very close answer. Within just a matter of months, that this one be Air France. Was it uh, a flot with the yes. whatever? Yeah.
0: I it, they're, they're, There's so many names. It's Tupelov. Uh, Tupelov. Yeah. Oh, 154? 154? 104. 104. 104. Okay. They're really funky one
1: okay. the, with the engines and the. Yeah, yeah. The rear engines, rear mounted. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Last one. So, which aircraft operated the fastest subsonic domestic flights in the U.S.? And which of these three airlines operated these two aircraft, which had very close speeds to each other, uh, they were all retired by the oil crisis in 1973 and they were failures, but they still remain the fastest uh, cruising speed. And there's one in particular that actually could fly Transcon uh, coast to coast and that's what it was built for. So the Convair
0: 880 and the Convair 990? You got it. And the airlines that flew them were Delta, I know for sure. Um, And then I want to say Eastern and National, but I think I'm wrong on those two. But I know Delta for sure.
1: Delta and uh, TWA flew the 880, and then American was... American flew the 980. The ultimate one, which was just slightly faster, and... uh, they operated America, what, TWA retired theirs in 1973, and they, all, they basically all retired the, uh, the oil crisis. Americans retired theirs by 1967. Or I, that's when they, their main bulk of it is. So in terms of the winner, the winner is after an absurdly slow and argumentative start, they yes. has won uh, the gold cup, but with a lot of aggravation and dominate <laughs> and uh Rohan uh, did very well and drew up a second and, and Hellwing actually uh though he finished third actually was the one who I would say <laughs> are the most obscure questions completely out of nowhere yes. Hell- yeah
0: Hellwing is Helwing is impressive like Hellwing every, every-, every- Hellwing has got impressive knowledge and and is exceptionally like understated in terms of like walks softly but carries a big stick kind of energy no I mean and to get, all, to get a little emotional. Where are you going with this? No, I'm just saying that, like, I mean, thanks to Hellwing, we've got this podcast going still. I mean, you know, it, uh, you know, all heroes don't always wear capes. But, like, you know, Hellwing knows his stuff,
1: has been carrying this torch forward, and has helped me the podcast possible. So... So I think you all what you're saying maybe is instead of sending the prizes to Vinay we should just send it to Hellwing. I agree. I'll, I'll take one for the team. I'm on board with this. Send it to send no. it to Helwin. All right, Hellwing no gets the prize. I think that's excellent. Oh, by done. the way, you know, we always want to take it to the producers because they have the control. They have the they, they know they're the ones who do the editing. Uh, that's sure I get the karmic it.
0: satisfaction of knowing that I was right and you were wrong about the national panam question, and that's really all. That's all. That's all the prize that I need. <laughs> that's fine. So anyway, thanks all of you for listening to this very fun episode where we got to have Chris Sloan on the podcast, where we got to talk deeply about things that matter. And we also got to do a little fun trivia round at the end. And so please make sure that y'all subscribe to us and uh, leave us a reading uh, with comments and things that you'd like. And you can always check out our stuff on
2: airwaysbag.com. And uh, make sure you subscribe to uh, the podcast at airwavesmagazine.substack.com. And uh, Chris, where do we find
1: the archive? Well, first off, thank you for pronouncing it correctly, because it is spelled, people sometimes people call it the the airchive like an onion, but I can tell you it, it doesn't smell. On the interwebs, you'll find it at the archive.net. And then we are on the full suite of social media on the uh, X, formerly known as Twitter at the archive, we're on the Facebook, uh, Instagram, and we have a lot of really cool content (laughs) and even on even on threads. So um you can find us uh you can find us there and guys it was just so much fun um you know reuniting with you and then also sharing uh you know a lot of some really good quality time with Hellwing. It was just uh I don't know whether it bought back more fun and really wonderful memories or post traumatic stress disorder, but either way been great and I really appreciate y'all having me on and
0: and we love airways thanks again Chris for joining us uh thanks Vinay for joining early in the morning in Bangalore even though you're a night owl and you worked U.S. hours just like you know we're past early in the morning I think it's like 9 a.m
2: so
0: (laughs) I I would I wouldn't have missed it for anything well India doesn't get started until 11 a.m and speaking of India uh for our listeners I'll be there in February and uh, I'll probably do some aviation-related content while I'm there. Um, May reach out to some of our contacts at Indigo and Air India, and let's see what we can get on the books.
2: All right. Awesome. It was was a, a real blast. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, guys.